Hello, and welcome back to Stories from the Ashes. I'm Amber, your host, and I am here to deliver a special introduction to today's episode. So when we recorded this episode, we were just planning on talking about all the spoilers that we wanted to discuss with Dawn from her Medallion Godalin series. And during this conversation, Dawn makes an off-the-cuff comment that she later regrets, and uh, you will hear her ask us to remove and edit out that portion of the conversation, which we didn't, and so I'd like to explain why not. So the day after we recorded this episode, I was narrating it to one of Amanda and I's dear friends, and by the time I was done narrating the episode, she was in tears, and she said, I'm going to start praying that Dawn allows you to leave the episode as recorded because I want my daughters to hear it. I feel that it's difficult for kids to see humility being modeled and the ability to change one's opinion is not popular. (laughs) And she also wanted her kids to see that differing opinions does not automatically make people enemies, which is very countercultural in our experience. And from Amanda and I's perspective, when we got off this interview, Amanda turned to me and she immediately said, can you believe it? We actually got to watch her live out the character traits that she espouses in her books. It was a very meaningful conversation for both of us. And in the moment of the conversation, it was actually a huge moment of bravery for me because I so highly respect Dawn and didn't want to disagree with her about anything because I wanted her to like me because I like her so much um, and I didn't want to come off as disrespectful, but this is what you have to do to live in honest relationships and living honest relationships is hard and I didn't want to kick myself for being a coward later. So we ended up having a really good conversation and I really hope that you enjoy it and Dawn um, and we discussed it later on and she said that she actually wanted us to leave it in for all the reasons that I just shared with you and that she Hopes the conversation will be a blessing to you and that maybe your minds will be changed as well. Hello, and welcome back to Stories from the Ashes. We are here with author Donna Watkins talking about her book's medallion. This is our spoiler episode. So if you have not listened to our author interview episode, I highly recommend you listen to that and read the books. If you have already listened to that and read the books, welcome. Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. Okay, no one can be mad at me. I have said it. We are doing spoilers. So Dawn in Arrow, my daughter... Inara was sitting across from me and Anna has her dream where she hears the the horns blowing, I believe. Yes. And she thinks this isn't for me. And I turned to Inara and I was like, does Gris get killed? And my daughter being very diplomatic, like smiles at me and she goes, no, mom, he doesn't get killed. And I was like, oh, okay, good. And I like kept going. And she... <laughs> was so technical in that answer because he doesn't get killed. He just passes. He passes through the portal and receives a hero's reward on the other side. And I would just, I would love for you to tell me more about that. It felt to me, um, it just reminded me of how the elves get to go to the undying lands and how, you know, Elijah, Elijah doesn't die. He gets, you know, just taken up into heaven, whisked away. And I was, I was wondering what, what you were thinking of when you were writing that scene. Well, I was thinking of the young readers and um, 
the death of so major a character needed to be handled very, very carefully. Yes. I didn't want it to be a horrible experience. I didn't want it to not happen, though, because for Trave to become High King of the Alliance, there needs to be the inevitable opening, you know? Right. So how to deal with that? And then I recalled reading Idols of the King by Tennyson, and one of my favorite passages of literature anywhere, which is when King Arthur is dying and he tells Sir Belvedere, please throw my sword in the lake. And he doesn't do it twice. And the third time he does. Yeah. And then this, then this boat comes and picks up the king with the three queens mourning him. And so the knight tries to watch as long as he can. And, and the lines are, then from the dawn it seemed there came, but faint, as from beyond the limit of the world, like the last echo born of a great cry, sounds as if some fair city were one voice around a king returning from his wars. Mm -hmm. Thereat once more, he, the knight, moved about and clumb even to the highest he could climb and saw, straining his eyes beneath an arch of hand, or thought he saw, the speck that bare the king down that long water, opening on the deep somewhere far off, pass on and on and go from less to less and vanish into light. And the new sun rose, bringing the new year. Mm. So I took that as an inspiration, an illusion, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but I made it more Christian in context because I wanted it to be a life well lived is now yeah. rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. When I hit that that scene, I was like, you know, I had many thoughts and emotions. One being my daughter did not lie to me technically, but she definitely <laughs> did not warn me this was coming. <laughs> but then also just being like, this is so perfect and beautiful. And what Gris what Gris deserves, like what he's earned. And I I appreciated that there was not some, you know, super sad battle scene where some stray arrow gets him, you know, like that just it wouldn't have felt right. And we'd already seen his dad pass in, you know, an honorable war death. And it, it just felt like his, his family deserved something different and he deserved something different. And I, I was glad that he got to be with Trave and Enna as he passed through. I tried to give you some foreshadowing, like mm -hmm. when he, is with Bruce and he groans when he lies down. He, he's old. Said, and he goes, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then he travels around and he's worn out and he says, mm -hmm. um, the governor of uh, Colonia offers him a chair suddenly. Mm -hmm. And then when he arrives at the towers, um, his physician is careful. You know, he said, you know, we should let the king rest and, Mm -hmm. I'll go get him some food in case he wants it. And right. you get the, I think you get the idea that his time is winding down. Especially when he gets hit with the door. Like yeah. that wouldn't have happened to him in medallion. Right. You know, so like that was yes. very much an age yes. thing. That but he rallies, you know, he, mm -hmm. he maintains his force mm -hmm. of character to the end. 
Yes. But that drew the last bit out of him. And yeah. 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 I, I felt like um, one of the things that was very different about Arrow was it was much less battlefield battle oriented and much more battling for the families and fighting for the people that you love and pursuing pursuing them to the ends of the earth to find them and bring the family units back together. And I feel that that was really Gris's journey in that book was reunification. And so, you know, he's, he's already basically left the kingdom to his heir apparent and trusts him. And so he's not worried about that. You know, he, he knows that the Capnos is in good hands, but what's not in good hands is his wife <laughs> and the daughter of, you know, this man who is, you know, like a son to him and next in line to be high king if he can, you know, reach level up to, in that way. So I just, I loved the fact that, that Gris was just pursuing this reunification of everyone and just found that to be, be such a beautiful story for him and probably how he would have wanted to go out. Like he had peace because everyone was back where they belonged and all the, pieces were lined up for for things to go well for the people he cared about so i really loved that amanda did you have any spoiler questions oh you're catching me off guard <laughs> amanda very much did not like medallion half as well as i did and i think it's because she wasn't 10 when she read it i think yeah she, like, was... she's been loving shield and arrow and just that you know the deeper storytelling i think that she just yes. she expected it to be deeper from everything I had been saying, but it was, it was that deep for me as a kid. Like well, there ended. was more than enough depth as a 10 year old for me to be like being formed and shaped by the ideas and thoughts. I think what I said was like it ended and I like still wanted 300 yeah. more pages. Like right. I felt yeah. like she wanted more this is of not the, world the end. Building. I need yeah. right. like, this feels like the beginning and I need the rest of it. Yeah. And it <laughs> so was. I'm glad you wrote more. Yes. <laughs> There was definitely Glad I didn't have to wait 15 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I need to know. Go ahead. I thought, it, I thought it was funny when you, you said, you wrote to me, uh, what was it like to be gone from there so long? Yeah. You were gone from there so long. I was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Do you have pages written that didn't make it into the books that you, yes. you know, will easily be able to go and write my other five books that I need or four books that I need to get to seven. There are pages left from um, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. There's a a woman that Gris says uh, on his council is worth a standing army all by herself. And there's a story there. But I it, it didn't fit with the arc of the story. So yeah. I had to pull it. Yeah. Have you read the Wingfeather saga? Yes. Okay. So there's the Wingfeather tales, right? Like it's a whole bunch of short stories. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, but like there no, is precedence no. in the literary world for things like that. <laughs> so if you just had a bunch some of short things, stories. Some things may just have to remain a mystery. <sighs> That's not an answer we like. We want all the stories. I know. Because I want to know how we go from Gris and Enna saying, there you are, to all of a sudden Enna being the queen of Capnos. 
Oh, you mean in Medallion where he meets her again? Yeah, Medallion. Right. Okay. Yeah. The 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 there you are is in Arrow after he's searched the world and right. and there she yeah. sits. You know. Um, yes. It just I love that understatement. It's so grist. You know. It's just so yeah. grist. Um, but yeah, when he because and Trave he takes Trave over there, he has to take Trave over there because it's beyond his power to fix. Right. And she fixes it. And then um, he has to go on, help trade, whatever. But they've met again after a long time. And many things have happened in the interim. Mm -hmm. Lots of things for Gris. I mean, maybe I'll just wait. And but <laughs> we have a spoiler addendum. <laughs> after this one. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that I know about that didn't get in the books because it didn't fit with where the book was going. But because I know about those things, I think you feel it and you want to know. It's like that can't possibly not have some story there there's got to be something and there is and it's a very regal and dignified thing that gris does in order to get her attention oh, i love that <laughs> one, this is not a spoiler but one question i had about trave and gadala is he keeps saying that he's the rightful king and that he could rule. So are there laws in Gadala about what age you have to be to rule? I was like, really? You're old enough to rule? <laughs> that, um, I go by the old world rules on this sort of thing. As in Arrow, even though Kalti is older, she cannot rule. Goes to the boy. Okay. I, I just hold to that. I suppose that makes me politically incorrect nowadays, but I just, that's the old way. And in Gadala, uh, Trave could rule, but his father knew, you know, he was way too young when his father mm -hmm. died. So he wanted him to come along in maturity. Mm -hmm. and that's why he gave Gris the medallion. Mm -hmm. And if he gets there, okay. If he doesn't, don't give it to him. Mm -hmm. So, um, he comes of age at 10. Okay. In that country. So that's oh. why Gris has come. What was the backup plan for Trave's father if, if Trave Gris, uh, Gris, Gris would choose someone and give the medallion to that person? Okay. And then they probably go to war. <laughs> well, Panay's no danger. There wasn't any danger. He could easily depose. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely love to read the book of Miris because I also would assume that it would have some diary entries and I want to know more about her life and her relationship with her husband. And it has letters in it. Yeah. See there are loose letters in there. You know. Yeah. What yeah. happened to Kala's children and Ara's parents? Ah, as I said, I like Dieter because it's less populated and it's a little bit wild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. it's hard for me to imagine. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine what happened to them. Well, the mother uh, died in childbirth okay. with the child. And her father 
was, you know, went over to Sarda to help his aunt and uncle, and uh, he was killed there. Okay. Well, this was wonderful. Such a delight. Thank you, Don, for <laughs> answering my burning questions. And- yeah, sure. Thank you for asking them. It it was a pleasure talking to you, and I really appreciate what you all are doing. Uh, Books are so important. They really are. are. They cannot be lost. Yeah. And real books with with Mm -hmm. pages that you turn Mm -hmm. and ink that you smell. That There's something about the experience of a book that is not able to be reproduced if you're simply listening to some podcast, read it, or, you know, it, it, re, being read to is good when you're little. That's a good thing. And I still enjoy being read to. I do. I like, I like for my husband to read, you know, Child's Christmas in Wales or, or Christmas Carol at Christmas time. You know, I just mm-hmm. like to ride along on that voice. And, but you need to be able to read for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Books. I think it's very important to be able to read for yourself if you can. So I'm going to slightly disagree with you because we are a family of full of dyslexic people. And that wasn't my daughter's path for nine and a half years. She didn't start reading until she was nine and a half. And at that point it clicked because her brain had hit that the synapses had formed, but she listened to over 40 hours of audiobooks a month leading up wow. to that. She was just filling her heart and soul with these stories. And it, it reminds me of all the different cultures that are oral history based, like all of their stories are oral stories. Good and point. They, you know, held society and culture together for thousands of years until the invention of the printing press. So I think that, you know, obviously I, I have over 12,000 books in my house. Like I believe that <laughs> there is something to be said for holding the book in your hands and smelling it and feeling the pages. And if given the choice between my phone with Kindle on it or a book, I will choose a book every time. And whenever people give me ARC copies to read and they're like on my phone, I'm just like, oh, this is such a trial. But <laughs> it's like, I want the story, so I'm willing to do it. But um, but no, I, I definitely like when when Miris talks about like all the the books from the university and how they've saved them and have them underneath you know, in that secret room, I just, that really resonated with me. I have had some friends in the past that have said that in building their home libraries, they're saving Western canon one book at a time. And, (laughs) you know, so, so there's, there's a lot to be, to be said for that. But I, I found it really powerful at the end of S.H.I.E.L.D. when Miris has all of her books back together in, I don't remember which country she lands in, in the new country that she's in. And it says that it was like uh, basically a blessing to that culture and a great loss to Sarda. And it's like, yeah, that's what happens. Like when when your country decides to purge all the the good stuff and won't keep it and burns it all, then that's their loss and somebody else is going to benefit from it. Mm. But I, I loved that that culture salvaging efforts on her part. It's happened many times in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it routinely happens. Like sometimes, I pick up the best books from our library cart because they're older, so they're getting rid of them and they're replacing with new ones, which they have limited space. But I guess it's my to my benefit 
to our family's benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, if you write more books, we will read more books and we will be happy. If you write short stories, we will read short stories and be happy. <laughs> we'll read anything you write. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's just <laughs> Thanks. where we're going to leave this. So do you have any, any final thoughts, Dawn, or anything else that's a spoiler that you just wanted to touch on more? Can't think of anything. My goodness, you've given me half an hour longer than I thought already. So I've talked enough. Maybe you could edit out that part where where uh, I, I said you need to read for yourself. Because um, you're right. I wasn't thinking large enough there. I was just thinking of digital replacing real at that point. Well, the yeah. wonderful thing about a physical book is that you have it. Yes. And it's yeah. it becomes yours, but a digital copy almost it almost never really is yours because it hinges on a computer being working or electricity mm-hmm. or when the power goes out, mm-hmm. you don't have it. Well, I just I think of Amanda. Amanda and her family go camping a lot and they take books with them. So she'll have the book and read it aloud to everybody. So everyone is sharing from that hard copy. So I think that what you were saying is right. Like we do need to have those hard copy books. We do need to have those books in our possession. And if we can read them, reading them for ourselves is excellent because we can read it at much greater speed and in greater bulk. But if, if we can't, there's no shame in it. And I don't feel like you were saying there was any shame in it. I don't feel that that's what you were communicating at all. No, um, I just wasn't thinking broad enough at that <laughs> minute. I was making my little... yeah books books real books need to exist in this world yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. we absolutely absolutely agree in our in our group of library builders and Mm -hmm. and you know 10 years ago I would have made that statement that you made and not given it a second thought and it's only because I've now experienced having a bunch of dyslexic kids and knowing you know and then broadening my community into more families that have dyslexic kids and special needs and and all of that to just be like you know, this is a little more nuanced than, than I first thought. And, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that you were willing to, to hear my, my feedback and say, yeah, that's right. <laughs> smarter than I was when we started. <laughs> there we go. That's the goal All for right. every day. Well, we, we thank you, Don, for your extra time in sure. talking about these spoilers and particularly sharing about Gris's experience and, and his reward, which mm-hmm. just felt so, so perfect and beautiful. So thank you all for joining us as we talk to Don L. Watkins and her book links will be in our show notes and we will see you next time. The stories are truer than true.